Welcome to the Smokies Podcast. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and the surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history, and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I'm Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today, we're going to talk about songs in the Catalucci Valley, about, about the Catalucci Valley by, by Richard Hurley. But first, let's talk about our sponsors. Imagine a place of, uh, evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant with a chic Appalachian feel. A place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on fire, and eat accompanied by fine wine or craft beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. There is no other place like the Meadowlark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Your Smoky Mountain adventures start with where you stay. Another sm- sponsor is SmokiesAdventure.com. That's Smokies plural, adventure singular. The Smoky Mountains and surrounding areas are areas is a vacation destination for all seasons. Some of the nation's best hiking trails, waterfalls, outdoor adventures, and family entertainment can be found right here. Start your adventure by using SmokiesAdventure.com to explore all the wonderful features of the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Trails, waterfalls, Cades Cove, and more. Then check out all the awesome family attractions and entertainment you and your entire family can enjoy. And if you're looking to have a, a life event somewhere, like a wedding or a honeymoon, then we got you covered there. Go to SmokiesAdventure.com. It's one of the leading information portals for adventures and experiences in the Great Smokies. So welcome. Uh, you can see we're sitting in the basement of the Metal Ark Motel <laughs> uh, at the Speakeasy, where we have an underground speakeasy. Uh, and uh, we're going to have some upcoming events at, at the Metal Ark I'm going to tell you about. On July 9th, we're having a wild crafting in Mother Nature's Natural Garden pro- Program with the legendary, legendary Isla Hatter. It starts on Saturday, July 9th at 10 a.m. with a program featuring uh, the Isla, who is a wild crafting expert, renowned author, filmmaker, instructor, and tour guide for the Great Smoky Mountain National Park's elite uh, field school educational programs. She's an expert on edible plants, medicinal herbs, and anything pertaining to wildcraft foraging and Appalachian plants, trees, and flowers. She's been featured a lot on television, videos, and books, and has worked for as advisor for multiple movies and television shows. She is an iconic uh, female of Smokey, soon to be featured in one of our name-themed rooms. Um, she will present, be presenting her beloved uh, program, Mother's Nature's Natural Garden, uh, and, and then leading a short tour, tour of the grounds to identify nature's bounty that can be found in our own backyards. Um, and then there'll be a free barbecue supper and music by Mike Ogletree and some friends afterwards. The event is uh, $20 per person for non-guests, and it's free for motel guests and Heritage Club members. Now, a big event coming for those of you who want to learn how to write songs is August 12th through 13th. We're having a songwriters camp and a concert with Grammy winning artists Jim Lauderdale and Charles Humphrey III. 
along with award-winning artists Darren Nicholson, Clay Mills, and Charles Chamberlain. You won't get uh, an opportunity like this very often in your life if you're wanting to really hang out with Grammy award-winning artists. It's a two-day event of interactive songwriting instruction with world-class musicians, and a demo tape will be produced for each participant. And then there'll be a concert from by the Songs from the Road Band on Friday night, and then a barbecue and all-store concert on Saturday This is a unique event. No other place. There's nothing, nothing else like it. And it will be, the space will be limited uh, to make sure that every uh, participant gets individual uh, attention. The price is $675 per person. It includes all activities, the demo tape, the concerts, and the dinner and everything else. And there's special room packages available for those who want to stay overnight at the Metal Art Motel. So call 828-926-1717 for details and to reserve your space and to reserve a room. Again, 828-926-1717 to get your uh, your place. Um, there's also uh, limited tickets available just for the concerts, um, and you can get those as well. Today, I have a great guest. His name is Richard Hurley. Um, he's a Canton native and a UNC grad, but I won't hold against him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. <laughs> and he's a veteran of the U.S. Navy. My dear he's, friend. Yeah. <laughs> he's a former radio DJ and renowned award-winning songwriter and musician. He is active in community work and service and is serving on various boards and as an MC for Folk Root, Shindig on the Green, the Mountain Dance and Folk Festival, and the Bascom Lamore. Lunsford Festival, while also promoting area music events, along with his own musical projects, which we'll talk about, Catalucci and My Mountains, My Songs. He resides in Asheville, North Carolina, my new hometown. (laughs) Uh, So let's jump in with something uh, exciting. You were a DJ on WPTL in Canton, and you spent about 17 years there. Tell us about that. Actually, they... uh... The station opened in, in August of 1963. Mm-hmm. There was already one station there that started in 1954, and a guy named Ed Presley wanted to have a country station because there was no country station in Canada. So he opened WPTL in August of 63, Well, they wanted to have a high school kid that could bring in the high school audience. <laughs> so I got the gig. So uh-huh. I got to be a high school disc jockey, and that's back when Louie Louie first All came right. out some of those songs. <laughs> Back in the dark ages, but I worked there during college and uh, and before I went in the service in 1970. So I was there off and on and uh, had a great time and uh, learned a lot and got to uh, got to play a lot of a lot of old country music at that time, some gospel music, rock music, easy listening music. Played a little bit of all of it. It, mm-hmm. was, it was quite a quite a fun time in my early career. Yes. And how was how was um was that was that a, did it help you in your career and defining your experiences or your performance ability to do performance? Or did, yeah, it did. It, it led me into doing some MC gigs, uh-huh. which I carried on to this uh-huh. day doing MC stuff. So yeah, it was helpful in that regard. And uh, uh, you know, having to work there with a lot of a lot of the people that came through that world, you kind of pick up something from everybody you're exposed to in the, in the music business like that. So yeah, it was quite helpful. And then when, when I started doing shows later on in the eighties, mm-hmm. a lot of these old records I'd played back in the sixties were songs I learned back then. And of course I was influenced by a lot of those artists and the, and the Kingston trio and some of the, the folk area, you know, hit in 1958. 
when the Kingston Trio came out with Tom Dooley. That just changed the world because that, that oh my song, god, I love that song. That, that, day. It made the country. It made all the charts. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that is kind of what got me started in playing. And I, my folks got me a ukulele when I was about twelve, and I learned to play that. And then I bought a ten dollar K guitar from a buddy of mine, and that's kind of how I got to start making music. So and you you got to, you started playing on the radio. Uh, some early on too, right? Played a little bit. I had written a song about uh, the old Smathers Market there in Canada. Oh, I just had Smathers, Smathers on the on uh, yeah the Smathers the Sun. Yeah, here on the show. This yeah. would have been his granddaddy. Yeah, Granzo and, and Underwood Smathers had a had the grocery store back then, mm-hmm. and I wrote a song called Underwood. It was like Underwood, Underwood, don't you wish, wish you could. Yeah. Anyway, we, my brothers and I used to play some of the other. We played at the Canton's first tomato festival at the old, <laughs> the, the new old Y, which yeah. is long gone now. But I recorded that just to, you know, they track tape back then, got a little yeah. exposure. So people called and said, can you play that song? Wasn't <laughs> 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 really a record. But, yeah. but yeah, those were all good experiences. Did you play gospel too? I played gospel on the air. Yeah, we had a program called the Gospel Caravan, which was like eleven to twelve. But I can't. I used to come in at nine. It was it was called Country Star Time. And mm-hmm. a guy named Jimmy Haney, who was a big influence on me early on. Jimmy Haney was a local musician. He's, he's been gone a number of years, but he was a he was an award winning folk singer. In fact, he was the national folk singing champion. I think it was nineteen fifty or thereabouts, mm-hmm. and a big influence on me because he used to come to the grammar schools. And play programs, and I said, "Wow, I got to do that one of these days." <laughs> so that was kind of started. Jimmy used to sign on at six and go to nine. I went nine to nine to eleven with the country music, and eleven to twelve gospel. And then I'd come back at two and go two to three thirty with the country music, and then I'd go to easy listening music three thirty to sign off. So uh, was, but in high school, the rock the rock show was like three thirty to six thirty or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Great experience. I, I asked about the gospel. You know, I, um, you know, one of the one of the, I, you know, I've traveled a bit, and right. one of the most popular brunches I ever saw was actually in Barbados. Yeah, and they had a gospel brunch, right? They would have brunch and they would have good old gospel oh, music, man. right? Yeah, and and people loved that. I was thinking that yeah. that would probably go well here too. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably would. Right? Yeah, yeah, gospel music has certainly been popular in the. In the south for, for years and years yeah we used, oh. to, used to play a lot of the, the old groups you know the old florida boys and, and uh, the old kingsman the local group and mm-hmm. uh, people like that number number of those those great and there were some local people who were big in the gospel music that did quite well francis playlock bent was a local lady that had some big hits mm. from here in haywood county back in the, in the 60s there so used to oh, play wow. a lot of that. well what was um what how did you learn to play I got a Mel Bay 50 cent book that shows you the three chords, uh-huh. C, F, and G, uh, and, and the other progressions. And I just kind of picked it up. But I was so naive. I, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I was so naive because I didn't have other you know, buddies that played, and, and my mm-hmm. parents were into it. I didn't realize you had to change strings. <laughs> you know, okay, once, you know, what does it matter? You get a string, the string. I didn't even know that, but I learned <laughs> later on. Uh-huh. But, uh, but anyway, that's how I learned. Did you, like, did you almost entirely learn on your own? Or did you, I did. Did you I have some mentors on, or anything? I learned on my own. And then I bought a, uh, a Gibson, little LG1 Gibson, the probably 50s model for about, uh, I think I paid $25 for it mm-hmm. from a buddy of mine. And I, eventually I got a nice Martin guitar years and years later. But, uh, and I've got a collection of guitars now. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's how it started. That's pretty cool. So you went off to you, you you were high school, and then you went off to UNC first, or did you go to the Navy first? Went to UNC. You went to UNC, UNC first. Yeah, I started out at UNC. I tell people it was back when the, when the Tar Heels were still playing in Woolen Gym. <laughs> that was before the Dean Dome, and that was before Carmichael, of course. But they were playing Woolen Gym. Billy Cunningham was a senior when I was a professional. Right, right. So that, oh, wow. that, that's how I got started. But when I would come home for school breaks, I would go back to the station and do vacation relief, stuff like that. And I worked at Camp Hope, and then I worked at the mill, the Camp Mill, one summer. 67, mm-hmm. which is great experience. The paper mill. Paper mill. <laughs> paper town. That, that helped me with my career later on yeah. when I got into the industry. And yeah. Squared E coming. So then after UNC, you went into the Navy? Yeah. Because right. it was during the NOM era. Right. I, you yeah. know, I went out and did, had one job interview, and they said, come see us when you're through with the service because mm-hmm. nobody would hire you until you got the service. Right, yeah. So I ended up going into a program that required uh, drilling for a year, and then I went in on active duty for two years, and then I had another three-year obligation. But I was fortunate I was on the USS Wasp, which is an aircraft carrier, mm-hmm. and we were in the North Atlantic up there uh, doing maneuvers. And, but I, I had the privilege to work with JFK's personal naval aid, mm-hmm. so that was quite an experience. I learned a lot from those guys, and, um, and that, all, all these experiences help you later in life. Cool. It helped me when I got into my career. Cool. And that well, was excuse me, that was also the start of some of my songwriting. Is in the Navy? In the Navy, because I uh, a guy named Admiral Zumwalt was chief of naval operations back then, and he was loosening up the Navy and letting those guys wear a hair long. Ah, uh, okay. So he would come out with these Z-grams, you know, for Zumwalt, Z-grams. And uh, so I wrote a song called The Battle of the Z-grams. <laughs> well, the, the Admiral heard about it, and he called me into the stateroom, and I borrowed a guitar, and went there and played it for him. He, he wanted to send it to Zumwalt. So uh-huh. I recorded a little uh, four cassettes. Yeah. Little real, 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 real. Yeah, a little three inch reel and record it. He sends it to Zumwalt. And a month or so later, I get this letter for letter there. Me, little enlisted guy, says, you know, dear Petty Officer Hurley, thank you so much for your song about <laughs> <laughs> And he and I connected about seven years later when he was out and I was out, he came to Asheville to debate nuclear armament with some retired general. Uh-huh. And I walked up to him after the, after his speech. And I said, George's speech said, you have to remember a sailor that wrote a song about you. And he said, yeah, I said, I'm that sailor. <laughs> I thought he just met Johnny Cash. <laughs> well, but, cool. Well, we have to take a break now. Sir. Uh, so then we'll come back. We'll talk more about your career in business and then in music. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Richard Hurley. So, Richard, after the Navy, you had a long career as an HR manager for Square D. How's that Square happen? D Company. Well, I just got real lucky because I, I'd come home about three months before I was supposed to get out of the service and uh, put in an application, and I had a cousin that worked over there, and he put in a good word for me, and I went in as, at that time, they called it personnel supervisor. It was like, uh, back when it was personnel manager, personnel mm-hmm. was the word. But I started out in the second seat and moved up about four years later, I guess, to the first seat, and, and by my own volition, I wanted to stay in Asheville. Yeah. So I thought a time or two I might have to move, but it worked out. It was a great company. They treated us well, and uh, it was a very giving company, very caring company. Mm-hmm. And the company did a lot of United Way and gave a lot 
give a lot of bucks to the community and various organizations out there. Mm -hmm. So I had a had a just a wonderful career. With cool. Did um, you get to play music while you while you were in, the, in, in that uh, career? Not not in that role in particular. I mean, I was uh, I was out playing places after I I did a record in 1981 mm -hmm. called "The Ballad of Old Fort Mountain." Yeah, I remember that record. Yeah, do you really? I do. I you got for some record. reason. I yeah yeah. It was a 45, and the legendary greatest of all banjo player Raymond Fairchild played on it. Raymond and I go back way way back. Yeah. The, the guy, the guy named Arnold Freeman, who's gone now also, and then the Crow Brothers, who were a popular group, they used to uh, tour with Raymond. They used to play with people, Raymond. So I'd written this song about Old Fort Mountain. I'd sing it at parties, and people say, "Oh, let's record that." And I said, "I waste time." And then one day I said, well, "I'm not going to turn around ten years from now and say what if." So I yeah. just called up Raymond and said, "Would you help me?" And he said, "Sure, I'd be glad to." So Arnold, so we got together. It happened to be August the twelfth of. 81 but i've been coached now when you go to that studio do your rehearsing before you go in there because that's money yeah right yeah, 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 yeah. so i said raymond I said, back. don't worry Rich. We'll be right. i said horrible call our when, when can we break don't worry about it and i'm sweating bullets we walked in that studio and eddie swan the guy i work with now on the studio and they set up like three mics back in those days now it's according to a whole different ball game they set up like three mics and I kicked it off a little guitar run, and they jumped in this music that was just fabulous. <laughs> I mean, they just made that song. So, so we, it was 45 RPM. So we took it to, to PTL, of course, WWNC, and WWs. Well, they, they all started playing it, mm -hmm. and it caught on. Yeah. So I sold them through Ingalls Markets. I, I don't know. So I, I pressed a couple of thousand, and probably sold. I gave away a few hundred, but but it kind of. I saw them around here when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah was, I also, you know, was looking. Yeah, well, I don't know. A while back, I was looking up what Raymond Fairchild, and that that record came up yep. with him being on it. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was he was something else, but he he helped me out with that, and it's on my first album. It's, it's the, I, I, all the songs on my two albums are songs I've written, mm -hmm. and uh, the first album, My Mountains, My Songs, I put that on there as a bonus track. All the other tracks are things that we recorded since mm -hmm. then. Cool. Yeah, um, Bob uh, Plot, you know, is the uh, GM of the. Midlark Smoky Mountain Center and yeah. Heritage Center, and he also helps put together you know some of the information and yeah. questions. And he mentioned that you mentioned one of them already, Raymond Fairchild, and, and the other big musical influence was Jimmy Haney. Yeah, right? I mentioned Jimmy a little bit earlier. That we'd work together as disc jockeys, and that he was like I say when I was in grammar school, he'd come around to the schools and play. Mm -hmm. But Raymond, here's a story about Raymond. When when Raymond was very before he became Raymond Fairchild and famous like he was. Right. He was working around these parts and he had done a record. He had done his first record, the old Simmons record it was. And uh, my brother came home with that record and I listened to that. I said, man, this is just different. It's, it's just, it, it was like a snake charmer. Mm -hmm. He just, he had a, he had a way of playing songs that just drew me in. So I, I got to meet him, uh, met him a time or two up in the valley. He'd give me copies of his records, and I would play him on my program. Mm -hmm. And then occasionally he and another guy would be having breakfast down at the, one of the little restaurants in Canton. I'd invite him up, and I'd put him on the show, and they'd play for 20 minutes or so. So that was how my friendship with Raymond started way, way back when. But uh, but he was he was really something else. And then when he went to the grand, debuted the Grand Ole Opry in 78, he invited me to go with him in essence i went down to Atlanta, picked up my brother and already about four of us went over 
to, to Nashville and we got to go backstage and all that. When and, uh, Bill Monroe bought us hot dogs, that was true. So anyway, <laughs> we go out there and Ray, Raymond walked out there and started playing uh -huh. and they had never heard anything like that. And he yeah. got encores of standing ovations. Yeah. Raymond Fairchild was his fiddle playing was, was pretty, genius. yeah, right? He was his grace banjo, I think grace banjo. Banjo, uh, he, he could do it, but, uh, but yeah. And then when he played here in the Valley, you remember the Ma Maggie Valley Opry House? Yeah. He played there for, for years. Until well, his name was on it. Yeah. Yeah. But every time I would go in, case he, had, they, he and his wife surely had that business for a number of years before Raymond passed in October of 19, I think it was. Every time I'd go to one of the shows, he'd see me in the audience and he'd say, I want to introduce an old friend of mine. That's Richard Hurd. He used to play my records. So they played, he played my records so much that they fired him. <laughs> they said, son, there are more banjo players than just Raymond Fairchild yeah. out there. Yeah. <laughs> Truth of the matter was, of course, I had to go to service. But he was the best but, one. But that was a good story he and I you, shared. You, 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 got, you, got, you did his eulogy, right? Well, that must I, have I been did. tough, right? I did. I was asked to speak and I, among some other people, but uh, I, I was extremely flattered to be part of the one of the speakers that spoke there. Yeah, it's up at the stomping ground up, up here in Maggie Valley. But, uh, and part of my comments were, I said, you know, there, there's only one Elvis, there was only one Hank Williams, and there was only one Raymond Fairchild. Oh yeah. One of my many comments talking about what a great person he was—a good family man. He was a loving father and, and husband, and just a great guy. But he had a gift. He had a gift that few few have. He had soul the way he played that banjo. I heard that he's a, I, you know, I being from Maggie Valley, I knew of him, and I had seen him a couple of times. And I think my, my dad, yeah, you know, knew him. Your dad, you know, I'm sure did he well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the mayor, mayor, and yeah, you know, he he him. But you know, my understanding was he was a great friend, but he was also a little cantankerous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he. He, Raymond Especially had business, uh, yeah, music, yeah. He had his ways, but he, I'll tell you one thing is the, the, the Raymond was noted for, for most people are not aware of was if, if, you know, sometimes they'd have leaner audiences than others mm -hmm. because, you know, whatever reason, traffic or whatever. If there was one person in that audience that bought a ticket, Raymond would go out and say that might as well be 500 or whatever. Mm -hmm. We're going to play them a good show. And he'd go out there and he'd play a whole show for one person. <laughs> he wouldn't bother us. I'm sorry, we're canceled. He'd play, just, he uh, said that person may have driven 500 miles to hear our show. We're going to play him the show. That's right. He was a very caring sort of guy. Wow, very caring. Yeah, I, you know, he was yeah one of a kind. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, you know, we're we're going to talk about your records a little bit. You got some real famous people on those records, but is there are other famous people that you work with. Uh, I've got some some pretty heavy hitters on my on my albums. Yeah, Dr. we're going to talk about that. Yeah, but they uh, they're people. That, the, the guy I work with is a guy named Eddie Swan. Yeah, and Regal Music, Regal Media. It's regalmedia.net. It's his website. But but he's he's been in the business about fifty years. He's recorded people like Vince Gill. He's recorded uh, recorded David Wilcox. Uh, uh, Brian Sutton, the great Brian Sutton. He recorded Squire Parsons, that great Beulah Land song that mm -hmm. you heard, that great gospel song. He recorded that. And uh, he, he's worked with a, a lot of the greats. But uh, but anyway, I, yeah, I got to working with Eddie and we put some albums together. Mm -hmm. Well, you got some uh, some great ones. But, uh, but before we get there, I, I, you know, I wanted, I wanted to, I do want to understand, you know, you're, you're a songwriter, right? 
and mm. you did some great songs. I've read that. I was looking at. We listened to one, and I've seen some of the others. Appreciate. It. And um, and you play a guitar, but do you play anything else? I don't really. I mm. tried to play. I, I took a few uh, banjo lessons from Mark Pruitt. The, Really? He's on one of my albums too. Mark is yeah. Mark and our old friends from way back, but I never could quite get into the banjo, so I just played guitar. Uh, but I heard you got the the handmade washtub bass yeah, <laughs> yeah. and some of your appearances. What's that? Everybody's probably seen, or at least I know you've probably seen the old washtub bass. Oh, yeah. Turn the bass over. Maybe folks that have are not familiar. Just turn the uh, old tub over. One of these big old washtubs. Right. And the one I've got is over seventy years old. Oh my you gosh! Thick ones. Yeah. And drill the hole in the middle of it, and you take an old broomstick and you just run a cord up, an old sash cord, and you put it on it, and you hold the stick down the edge of it, and you plunk it, and that gives you a base. And it gives it uh, because of the the tub. It that, gives, that's it, right. it gives it gives it a vibrancy. Give it vibrancy, right. right? So my brothers and I. Uh, played at this tomato festival years ago in Kent. So I carried it on as part of my act. And I tell people, I said, now, don't worry. I, I get people to come up to the audience right, and right. play the bass with me. Yeah. And then kids especially. Oh, because yeah. they just go, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, that's a real uh, fun part of my program. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always preface it by saying, now, don't worry. This tub is, is over 70 years old. And, and literally, this stick and string have been on there since 1969. Oh, my gosh. It's been, it's been broken a time or two. It's just as sure, but boy, it's, don't worry, it'll be okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's a fun part of uh, my show. Today. Well, you know, if you, I don't know if you ever uh, walked down Wayne, Waynesville Main Street, yeah, right. They have all sorts of sculptures on there. Yeah, one um one of the sculptures. There's a duo of um, musicians. They're they're ten foot tall. Oh yeah, and one of them's playing a washtub. Wash, yeah, wash I've seen that. you've seen that. I yeah, have. yeah. So people, you definitely uh, should make a pilgrimage there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's surprising people don't realize how what a sound that that will make, and that's why people developed that years ago when they didn't have money to go out and buy things that improvised, just like my my good friend David Holt, who's on my album. You know, David toured with Doc Watson mm-hmm. for about fourteen years, and and David plays a he plays a number of different instruments on his show when he's we're doing live shows. He played paper bag, he'd play spoons, he played bones, just whatever to show the improvisation. <laughs> Improvisation uh-huh. of music over the years, the development of music. Well, that's fine. Well, we have to take another break now. And when we come back, I want to talk about some of your albums. Great. All right. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, and my guest, Richard Hurley. So, Richard, you've got two albums out, right? So, I have. I so, have. can you tell me about your first prog- pro- project? It was what, My Mountains, My Songs? Yeah, it was a little, little project called My Mountains, My Songs. and uh, I can hold it up to the uh, camera yeah, if there's people like watching it. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> we we started out with uh, the old fort song which i mentioned i'd written back in the chord back in 81 i thought well okay this is 2013 just a few years later I said, a body needs to cut a record every 30 years or something there you go right yeah <laughs> i think it's in my life you're you're, you're, you're caded aren't you right you're a music, musical caged. <laughs> there we go so, so <laughs> i need to do something so i, I had written a, a bunch of songs over the years and I just stick them back in the files and whatnot. So I decided to pull them out and see what we could do with them. So I called David Holt and said, David, I'm thinking about doing an album. What do you give me some some recommendations? Well, you need to call Josh Goforth. 
Josh Goforth is a genius musician who lives from Madison County. Mm-hmm. He played on my album. He played the lead guitar, the rhythm guitar, the banjo, the bass, the mandolin, the fiddle, mm. all of it, and wove it together. Oh wow! So, so that's how this thing started. And we we put these there are fifteen songs on here with the old fort song being the bonus track. One of the one of the ones you you were looking at the little award thing here that the North Carolina Society of Historians actually gave me a little award, the Paul Green Award for the historical significance of the project. And there's a song on here about the Coal Mountain bomber crash. Oh, yeah. A lot of people saw the Coal Mountain movie mm-hmm. in the book, and it was written by Charles Fraser, who grew up in Franklin, who has connections back to my hometown of Canton. His mom was from there originally. Anyway, when, uh, so the, the thing that most people don't realize is that on Friday the 13th, September of 46, a B-25 bomber was coming from Detroit to Tampa and crashed into the top of Coal Mountain, missed about 150 feet. They called the tower at that time in Bristol, Tennessee, and said they wanted to go visual. So mm-hmm. be careful, because it's kind of nasty and rainy down there. Well, the next thing you know, wham. Mm-hmm. The youngest general in the Air Corps, two sergeants and two colonels. Now, you right. can imagine what that was like, Crusoe. Right, right. Oh, my God, yeah. So a lady named Doris Rollins Cannon, who's deceased now, she wrote a book about it. And, and back about, I guess it was in 2012, I saw this book in the, in the Blue Ridge Books here in Waynesville. And I got to look at it. I said, man, I know some of these people. And I read the book. And I remembered hearing about it because as a kid, my late brother pointed over there at the mountain across from where I grew up and said, that's the, that glamour over there. That's a plane crash. Well, okay, fine. My scoutmaster used to talk. Okay, but it never took us on a hike up there. So I went up the mountain. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. Got me crash evidence, but it's all been picked over. Mm-hmm. You know? But anyway, I wrote the song. Yeah. So uh, I got uh, Doris to, and, and a guy named uh, uh, I'm having a memory thing here. A guy helped me out. Roy Moody, a guy named Roy Moody, helped me out with, with his make sure my my facts were accurate. So then we recorded that song, and Doris sent this thing to the North Carolina Historical Society, and they basically listened to the whole thing because I got some other historic. I got one about the floods of '04 on mm-hmm. here, and I got some other. Song similar to that, and they gave you the historical North Carolina. Yeah, it's, it wasn't, I wasn't the only one. A lot, a lot of people get that, but it, it still was a nice. Well, it's nice to get it. Yeah, nice right, yeah, yeah. So it, it's not a participation prize; it's actually doing work. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> There's a difference. Oh, you have the tune. You got a participation <laughs> award. Oh, you got a real song. You got a real, uh, yeah. a real. You did some real work, so you got a good thing. So this one, this one came out at thirteen, and Josh, his music's just fabulous. Of course, Eddie Swan, the engineer. I mean, he knows what he's doing. Like I say, he's been doing this fifty years. So fast forward to to uh, to twenty twenty one, I came out of this album. The lead song is Catalucci, which is you know. You know, uh, music to my heart, you know, Maggie yeah. Valley is Maggie Valley. close to Catalucci yeah. and Catalucci Valley. We've got the elk and everything else. So, so tell us, uh, tell us the story of this one. Well, the backstory is that there's a guy named Steve Woody, a friend of mine, and he is a descendant of the old Woody family that lived back in Catalucci. I ran to Steve one time there in Asheville. We've known each other for years. And he said, I said, I understand you're having your big reunion coming up. They have it every year. I think it's the first, second weekend in August. He said, yeah, why don't you come? As my guest. I said, man, I'd love to do that because I've never been to the reunion. I've been to Catalucci, of course. So I went to the reunion, and he kind of monitors a little church service there. And during the church service, he introduced some of the politicians, and then he introduced me, and he said, some of you may know Richard. He's an old Haywood boy, writes songs. He says, 
said, I think he ought to write a song about Cavalucci. What do you all think? <laughs> so, so you were so, sort of, you were blackmailed into doing yeah. it. <laughs> so I wrote a song about Cavalucci. Yeah. <laughs> I went and did some research on it and I wrote the song and then I, he asked me to come play it. So I went back and played it. Well, that was in 18. In the August of 19, I played it live at the church service. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And I, I don't mean this to sound as uh, a brag. People were crying. People got emotional. I can imagine. And yeah. I got emotional. I don't know which one of us got the teary eyes most. Uh, <laughs> I got emotional standing there. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm going to have to record it. So uh, we recorded and it got us some different players on this. Some of the folks. You got there. some great people on this album. Yeah, uh, I mean, these are incredible. Tim, yeah. yeah, Tim Surratt and, and Darren Nicholson, both of the Balsham Ranger on there. Tony Creaseman's a, a percussionist that works. He's kind of Willie Nelson's drummer and he's worked with Lynn Campbell and Wayland or not Wayland, but Merle Haggard and James Taylor, some of those guys. And then, of course, David Holtz on there. Bobby Hicks won a Grammy with Ricky Skaggs the same time that Mark Pruitt did. And mm. Brian Sutton, another local boy. So he's a 10-time Grammy Award winner. So we were able to get him to help us out, thanks to my buddy Eddie. So we got some got some pretty heavy hitters. And I, I dedicated this album to my old friend Raymond Fairchild. There you go. But it's got the Catalucci song, and it's got a number of other songs. There's one song on there. You got the legend of Boojum on there. This, this is this week. Yeah. Uh, this week's yeah. beer right. is Boojum. Yeah. Well, yeah. Can you give us a short version I, of what that is? I sure what can. it is? The Boojum is actually a story that goes back in the legend goes back in the 1800s, and up at Lake Logan, which used to be owned by Champion Papers back in the old days, they had a little Boojum cave in there. Mm-hmm. There's a big picture of the Boojum, which is now in the in the downtown tap room. Right, 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 yeah. So uh, Pat Smathers was the mayor of Canton. No, he was, he, he's been the mayor of Canton. He called me up and said, we're going to do a festival about the Boojum. Why don't you come in and see it? I said, cool. And I said, said, well, got to write a song about it. So we wrote and recorded a song called The Legend of the Boojum. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the history of the Boojum. Yeah. Eight foot shaggy, eight foot tall and shaggy. Catch you if you can. Was that a big thing in Canton? Uh, it, it, thing? Where did, it, where was it big at? Cause you know, it, I don't it, really remember. It, it, was in, it was in 16, Six, yeah, 2016. That, uh, that's that, where the legend came up. That, yeah. Well, that's where I played the song. Yeah. I wrote the song for that yeah. festival. Uh, it only had that one year. It didn't, didn't, didn't succeed out or didn't happen after that. But anyway, the song did. The song's on there, and uh, there's there's a guy named David Johnson that plays about twenty different instruments. It's quite. He's another local boy down the foot of the old fort somewhere, and plays a mean plays everything. He did all the music on it, but it came out pretty well. And there's the thing is that when when I've given this to folks to uh, originally had it as a single. But kids get into this. Mm-hmm. Kids oh, get stories. into this yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's the sound of the name Boojum or whatever. Yeah. But, the, but the story was that he had a penchant for, for two things. He liked to go, uh, he would hide out in the bushes. He was he was, he was having kind of version of Bigfoot. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. So he'd hide out in the, in the weeds there and he'd see the girls down there uh, dipping in the pools. And then his other thing was he liked to go out and find all these precious stones and he had a cave. And he'd go take him to that cave and storm in old liquor jugs to fill him up with moonshine. Right, right, right. So those were his two things. <laughs> so one day he's out in there and this, this young girl's, uh, she's in the pool there swimming. She sees the boojum and, mm. and their eyes lock and they fall in love <laughs> and they get married and they go back to the mountains, but he still had to go out and look for all these precious stones. So she would get out She'd get lonely and she'd holler for him and he'd holler back and then holler till they came together. Uh, and her name was Annie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Therefore came the word 
Hootenanny. <laughs> That's part of the legend. Really? Hootenanny. Oh, she's a hooter. <laughs> so that's all in the song. Uh, the legend of uh, Boojum. Wow. Well, that's, that's uh, well, cheers to Boojum. I'm yeah. drinking Boojum, talking about Boojum. I'm going to listen to Boojum. That's good. Well, I hope you give it a, give it a listen. Oh, I'm going to, yeah. I, uh, what is um, some of the other favorite songs in this song? Well, the, one, one other thing is when I think about the, the legend of Boojum, when I think about uh, some of the historic stuff, is Vascular Marl Lunsford. Do you know that name? He was... He was the the uh, minstrel of the Appalachians. He was born on the campus of what's now Mars Hill University, mm-hmm. and he started our Mountain Dance Folk Festival in 1928 in Asheville, mm-hmm. in, in, in Madison County, Asheville area. It's the longest running folk festival in America. Oh wow! In America, and you've been on the board of that too, right? Well, I'm, I'm on the advisory board, oh, yeah, but okay. I play there and MC there. Yeah, but I've been involved with it for years and years. But uh, Pete Seeger came down to learn about the banjo from Baston Lamar Lunsford. Uh-huh. And Pete Seeger, many of the fans will know that the music fans will know he had that long neck banjo. Right. Yeah. Got the, the story was he got that from Baston. Oh, wow. So I've got a tribute to Baston here on, on my album. But, and what other songs are there are on there? Well, I've, I've got one on this latest one about, it's, I call it God's Special Children, and it's about special needs kids. Oh, wow. Okay. And it, uh, I, I was doing some volunteer work at uh, Irene Wortham Center over in Asheville, which uh, helps special needs kids. And a lady I'd worked with came in there and she said, what are you doing? I said, well, I've been a volunteer. What are you doing here? She said, I can't pick up my son. Now, this was years after we'd both retired. And I flashed back and remembered she had a son named Alan. who was mm-hmm. a special needs kid. And uh, I met him. And the, and the next morning was Christmas Eve. And I woke up and I wrote this song called God's Special Children. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a kid, my mom used to say, and she lived to be right at 101, she used to say, if you'd see a you know a special needs child, she said, well, son, those are just God's special children. Well, that just made everything fine. That made everything fine. Oh, that's so, nice. that, so we did God's special children. And it really, uh, Eddie, uh, my producer, was able to pull in a lady that sang with me on that and harmonized it. It really came out pretty well. And then I, I felt, we've got... Uh, We've got just a number of, of other things. I've got one called the Leaning Side. I've got one about Collins guitars. I've got one about uh, my uncle Hoss Burnett. He was a he was a great storyteller and fox hunter. Mm-hmm. Now talking about the Bob and his plot hounds, so right, that's right. The, the state dog as we all know. But but fox fox hunting, not fox hunting. Right. Fox hunting was right. a big thing. Back my grandpa was a big fox. Was he? He loved the Walker hounds. Well, the, the Walker hounds. The Walker hounds. Well, they, I guarantee they would have known each other. Yeah, my okay. My album was a big fox hunter. So I'd written a song about him back in the 70s, and I pulled it out of my files and we revised it. And David Holt plays the washboard on it, and this David Johnson uh, did some music. I said, you know, we, we need some dog barks on this song. He said, well, why don't you do them? I said, I can't do that. They want you to. And he put dog barks with us. So he's like going on the mountain, gotta go darn it, gotta go hunting, because he's hoss burning. And then and you whoo, whoo, whoo. So we let the dogs out. Yeah, it's a little, little bit of local flavor there. A little local flavor. Well, but, uh, we're gonna have to take another break here and come back. We'll finish up with some of the other things that you do and uh, how can, how people can get the CDs. Great. Thank All you. right. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. My guest, 
Richard Hurley. So Richard, yes. you were born and raised in Cannes, but now you live in Asheville your, most of your life. So yeah. what, uh, what, what did you stick in Asheville for? Well, I just love the mountains. Just mm-hmm. like your intro when you were talking about your hotel and the Great Smoky Mountains and the fishing and the stream, all those things you talked about just made me realize how fortunate I am to right, be able right, right. to stay here in Asheville, yeah. in Western North Carolina. Western North Carolina. And, you know, my a lot of volunteer activities I'm involved with take me all across Western North Carolina. But I I thought there, there was a time or two during my career I was going to have to leave and move to another location or leave mm-hmm. the company and do something else. And I was blessed and lucky that I didn't have That's to leave. It. And how do you like uh, what, how Asheville has grown? Oh, it's, it's really, it's changed. It's grown a lot and it's, it's become an interesting place. That's for yeah. sure. Well, it's not sort of a music city, right? Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, the buskers on, on every corner, it seems like, but uh, you know, we have a couple of events of events downtown, like the shindig on the green, which I've mm-hmm. also got a song about on my first album. We have a shindig on the green in front of the courthouse there right. on Saturday nights. Yeah. It's seven Saturday nights during the summer. In fact, we'll start this coming Saturday, seven to ten freebie. Right. People bring the lawn chairs and the blankets and spread out there, and they sit for three hours. And we have all these musicians that come in. Wow. Some of them come in from deep in the hollers, and some come from wherever, square dance teams and all that. And a lot of the greats, like Mark Pruitt and, and Brian Sutton, you know, the hottest guitar player in, in Nashville, I think, is number one call guy over there in the studios. He's cut his teeth there. David Holt's playing you know, tons of big names played mm-hmm. on the shindig on the green stage. Wow. Well, I mean, no, no, you've been involved with those, a lot of those different uh, you know, festivals. You, you were involved with Bel Share, right? Uh, uh, I wrote a song about Bel Share. Uh, no, I, was, I, yeah. well, I saw that, <laughs> yeah. and I was wondering, what happened to Bel Share? It just finally ran its course. It, really? It started in 1979. Yeah. And it, I don't remember what year it, it, it folded, but it was a great festival. I mean, how many times do you walk down the street of Main Street drinking a beer and eating a hot dog or whatever? And all this great entertainment. Oh, my gosh. I, mean, I Doc, miss it. Yeah. Doc and used to have uh, Skaggs and a lot, a lot of the big names. In fact, I mentioned a number of them in my song. Really? Yeah. So cool. It's, um, so I give people the flavor of what that was. It was a special sort of festival. Yeah. yeah. Folks got together back in 79 to have a street party, but it sounded mighty fine. Right. They wanted something different, nothing normal. What kind of fair? They got together, got themselves together and started Bill Share. <laughs> Bell Share means it's a beautiful life. Gather up kids, your granny and your wife. Put your feet on the street when the sun goes down. Music in the air in Asheville town. Um, there you go. That's, that's the chorus. Well, you've been involved with a number. Uh, what other? Uh, what other are your favorite festivals? Well, uh, those are pretty much it. I, uh, I used to, you know, I used to try to go see Doc every time he would come around. I never played. I played on the same show with him one day out at the uh, Lunsford Festival out in Mars Hill. That's another big festival. The Bassmore Mar Lunsford. It was the only festival that he would let use his name. Mm-hmm. And it started, I think, somewhere back in the 60s. Baskin passed on in the 70s. But it was at Mars Hill. And they were bringing a lot of the old talent from back in the Madison County is another mecca for musicians. Mm-hmm. So that's a great festival. But uh, but I never I never got to play on the stage. I'm not in that league. But I did rap with, chat with him some backstage a few, few times on some of these programs. But. But, those, but the Mountain Dance and Folk Fest, again, it's the granddaddy of all folk festivals. Mm-hmm. So. That's the one. Yeah. How about venues? What venues do you like in the, the Western North Carolina? Well, uh, you know, I, I like to go to some of the things that happened at the, the, the Civic Center and some of the programs that happened there. And Lake Genelisca, I like to go see Baltimore Rays. I've introduced those guys a ton of times. And of course, my friend Eddie that, that worked for those guys too in the studio, and he worked with the uh, Steve Canyon Ranger Boys and all that. But, mm-hmm. but any of these venues that 
like your your Maggie Valley Festival grounds here. Mm-hmm. I've done some programs there, and I played there actually one time. But um, you know, I, I don't really you know, promote myself as much. No, no. <laughs> but but uh, I, I do a fair amount of volunteer work. I go to some assisted living venues, places like that. Mm-hmm. And people call me, and I'll go do a program. I'll say, can you come to a pool party that's not my venue my venue's got to be a, it's a concert you got to pretty much listen to the lyrics yeah or it just <laughs> work as well <laughs> so if somebody's coming to western north carolina Asheville, or haven county uh what what's you, what are some things they shouldn't miss shindig on the green they should not miss that all right so yeah. that's every every saturday night not every saturday night. we break for the mountain dance the folk festival we'll start the 25th this it's always the first weekend around the 4th of july and that's uh-huh. the 25th of june this time and then we have another one to start the second on through. We break for the, I think it's the 6th of August. Bascom always said our folk fest was always the first weekend long about sundown in August. <laughs> and when I remember saying, always, okay, for you folks to wear a watch, uh-huh. that means seven o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that, I mean, that's a must see there. Yeah. And of course, when Bell Share was born, that was a must that see. That was a Oh, yeah. But there, there, there are a lot of venues out there that, uh, I, probably need to get around and go visit some but uh, I haven't visited all that many of them. I like the Orange Peel myself. Yeah, I did the Orange yeah, Peel. I, yeah. I, did, I did my Bell Share song there when, when a buddy of mine was chairing the camp, chairing Bell Share and asked me to come play it. Mm-hmm. So we did that to kind of kick it off. But, uh, I just saw a lot of it, I think, in New York City. Oh, yeah. So he wanted me, but he was also at the Orange Peel, too. It's yeah. just a great yeah. show. Yeah. He, plays a, he plays a Collings guitar. That's a brand of guitar. And I, I played... Uh, got a Collins or two that this uh, mm-hmm. uh, Martin, but I've got a song there called the Collins Guitar Song. Oh, really? Are you? Are you? Do you? Do you have a? You said you have a collection of guitars. I've right? got a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like, every, every, like, like every, my buddies say, you know, you can't have too many guitars. <laughs> <laughs> but I wrote this song about the Collins guitar. That's your favorite. Yeah, it's like they handed me my severance pay after thirty-four good years. I said goodbye to friends of mine, even shed some tears. Well, to spend it all on this new windfall or this new windfall on a boat or a hot rod car, no, I don't think so. Could rather have a Collins made guitar. <laughs> so that's the kickoff to it. But, but, uh, you know. well, I spent many years making money and then decided to buy a motel. <laughs> <laughs> that was a better investment. Than guitars. Yeah, well, it, it was also, well, I did it at the time I bought it because of, uh, you know, yeah, being the home the homestead and, and yeah. big ideas of you know doing things with it. Now yeah. it's become something else. But yeah. uh, I, I did get to touch yeah. Tony's Tony Rice's guitar one time. Did you? All right, <laughs> got to reach over and touch it one time. <laughs> well, uh, how did how did people um, like buy your albums? Well, my my website. And I, I would hope people might go take a look at the website. It's Richard Hurley H U R L E Y Richard Hurley Music dot com. And the various tabs, if they work through the tabs, there it mentions places to purchase them. And uh, also, my two videos are on there. The video about Catalucci, mm-hmm. because after we did the song. With all the beautiful pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah all those old pictures from 1800s yeah, out. Yeah. My producer and I put together a video. There's a video about the shindig on the green. Locally, uh, Blue Ridge Books here in Waynesville, Strange for Music's got my album. Uh, in Canton, you got the Pigeon River Mercantile, Maddie's, uh, Ashley got the Chamber of Commerce over there. But uh, but yeah, RichardHurleyMusic.com can lead you to various places. And you have your Facebook or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. So yeah. yeah, so they can look you up there. Yeah, all right. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah, thank you very much for well. This being has been a pleasure. It. It's been I, a good I really show. appreciate it. And yeah. uh, you know, it's it's just 
uh, it's, it's fun to, to come up with when a, when a song strikes you and something happens that makes you want to write a song. It just feels good to get it uh-huh. done and get it recorded. <laughs> you've got a great show here, and I appreciate well, the I'm opportunity just, to be here. Well, it's nice talking about the Smokies and the culture yeah. and everything around here. You let her in now. Um, and, uh, oh, it's my daughter just walked in. Well, hey there. This is the gateway to the Smokies hey podcast. There. Come on, do you want to be on the show? Here, my daughter's on the show. This is the gateway to the post Smokies podcast. You can find out more about us at, uh, facebook.com slash gateway to the Smokies podcast. And, uh, we're on the talk radio.nyc network, uh, which is uh, a live podcast network with lots of, uh, every day, a live podcast that ranging from small business to travel to self help to any number of things. So it's a really good network. And if you like listening to podcasts, I, I, I would recommend you take a listen to some of the other shows on this network. I actually have another podcast on this network called Wise Content Creates Wealth, where we talk about you know using modern content marketing practices and AI to help your business. So, and that's on. Fridays from noon until one. So I appreciate it. That's an interest here. Just look at us, look us up. But this podcast is every uh, Tuesday from uh, six until seven. Where we talk about the Smoky Mountains and Hayward County and Asheville and, and Tennessee even and uh, things to do and things to enjoy and the culture and the people that are here. So uh, take a, take a look, look us up and come back again. Thank you.